Hello, this is Josh with The Invitation. From the start here on this fourth episode of the Summer Retreat 2018, I want to note up front that what I'm up to with this invitation and with these spiritual conversations, there's something really crazy about all this. You know, putting myself out here on a podcast like this, drawing in these small groups of church leaders to talk about the inner workings of their hearts, their minds, their souls, and their strength. This summer retreat is kind of crazy, along with what I get to do with the inmates at the E.C. Brooks Correctional Facility, and how I get to teach and facilitate silent retreats with Dominican nuns. Then there was my recent week with a team of college students, and another week with some high school students. When I step back and consider what's happening in our world, when I consider the state of the church today, I'm filled with an urgency and eagerness about our journey inward to discover an awareness of Jesus inside our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And honestly, nothing seems more important. Nothing seems more subversively hopeful than believing that Jesus not only loves us, but he actually likes us. He enjoys each part of your being. So the urgency I'm experiencing is not a kind of panic or fear. It's truly delight and love. There's no rush here. I know that some of you may be experiencing some kind of desperation in your search for God. There is still goodness and joy to be found, not later this summer or once the fall begins. It's not at the next event or at the end of a book, no matter how good those events or books are. There is a goodness in rest there is a goodness in retreat, in a summer retreat. So I return to this podcast, to this episode with a kind of giddy excitement to join you in this journey. And if you stumbled onto this podcast for the first time, and if you haven't spent any time with the preceding episodes, you can find some goodness by diving in right here, but you'll understand more of what we're up to if you move back to episode 23, which is the first of a series. I'd also like to say we are getting some good questions about how and when to start donating to the invitation. Thank you, thank you, thank you for taking some time to discern if the invitation is something that you can support financially and spiritually. 
at the end of this retreat, I'll offer you some more thoughts about how you can join and become a partner of the invitation as a core team member. But to introduce this episode on prayers of the mind, I again gather here with a slightly altered group of my friends, a group of younger pastors and church leaders. And as we began to share before we considered prayers of the mind, we first did a bit of review. What did these friends, these church leaders, learn about prayers of the heart since the last episode? We then talk about the fragmentation between our hearts and minds. And then each of my friends share a bit about the way that their minds do or don't help them pray. I offer about 10 minutes of teaching on the nature of the mind in prayer, what is mind spirituality, and then the group engages the teaching, offering their own reflections. And we finish by each going around to offer some suggested ways of engaging the mind in prayer practices. So I'd like to ask you to keep in mind that these pastors are sharing off the cuff. They didn't prepare anything for this conversation. This is their raw processing. And this is exactly what I love about this summer retreat. It's that these are very ordinary conversations. I've done conversations with published authors and well-known musicians. And I have a backlog of conversations to release this fall with people like Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove, Makoto Fujimura, and Scott Cairns, among many others. And those are good people. But honestly, I'm more excited about these local pastors. It's great to be stirred up and inspired by some of these nationally and internationally known people. But I discerned a call to become a spiritual director because my question is, who is God inside of you? You, right here and right now. How is Jesus revealing himself to you in the awkwardness, the ordinariness, and yet the holy goodness of you right here and right now? My prayer is that you will hear some of yourself in these friends that we've gathered here on this episode. And so here we begin, and I'm introducing our Hosea 6 passage for the Lexio Divina practice this summer. As you join into this retreat, may the Spirit of Christ accompany you and reveal himself to you in love. Amen. So I'm so glad to have Mitch, Aaron, John, Stacy, and Daniel with me again for, this is our session on prayers of the mind. Amen. Glad to be here. here. Thank you. So I was talking to you guys before about returning to the same passage. We're still in Hosea 6. And as we think about that as a discipline, it is going to allow us to keep some continuity through the summer to come back to the same passage. I also hope that for those people that are listening that are new to Lexio Divina, it's a way for this to be approachable to you, to sink in more deeply to the same passage. But if we think about it as we've 
approach the same passage over and over again, this really ends up being a pretty advanced way of praying because it's very easy for us when we come to the scriptures with a consumer mentality to feel that I have now, I drank the whole can of pop mm. and now I'm going to throw it away and I'm done. The question is, is, is Jesus revealing himself to through the scriptures in a way that he really is an everlasting fountain. So you might have already thought about this in terms of a, a passage of scripture that you say you memorized as a kid, uh, or you knew in a song or a hymn, some sort of scripture, but you just keep coming back to it. And you keep identifying new shades of meaning, new impulses in it. And, and really in trying to describe this as we approach Lexia Divina, the point is there is space being created by the Holy Spirit in a conceptual reality that's beyond just our what we're going to talk about today, our calculative minds. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it really ends up being, if you find yourself, uh, like, and I have this experience, if you find yourself like, oh, I don't know if I, there's any energy in that scripture again for me. Really what we're doing is surrendering ourselves to the scripture. We're giving God space in that. So we turn to Hosea 6. We'll do our standard three readings and we open our hearts to Jesus as we prepare to listen to the voice of God. He says to us, Hosea 6, Come on, let's go back to God. He hurt us, but He'll heal us. He hit us hard, but He'll put us right again. In a couple of days, we'll feel better. And by the third day, He'll have made us brand new alive and on our feet, fit to face him. We're ready to study God, eager for God knowledge. As sure as dawn breaks, so sure is his daily arrival. He comes as rain comes, as spring rain refreshing the ground. So we sink in deeper to that. We're just becoming familiar with the passage, awakening our minds and our hearts to God through the scripture. And as we move to a second reading, 
I invite you to listen for a word or a phrase. The way I think about this word or phrase is, we know that his mercies are new every morning. He wants to awaken us to his understanding, to his will. So we lean in towards something that has a sense of life and goodness. He says, come on, let's go back to God. He hurt us, but he'll heal us. He hit us hard, but he'll put us right again. In a couple of days, we'll feel better. And by the third day, he'll have made us brand new, alive and on our feet, fit to face him. We're ready to study God, eager for God knowledge. As sure as dawn breaks, so sure is his daily arrival. He comes as rain comes, as spring rain refreshing the ground. I invite you to offer a word or a phrase. Fit to face him. Refreshing the ground. Go back. Come on. He comes. Refreshing. So in our third reading, I invite you again to identify a word or a phrase. Come on, let's go back to God. He hurt us, but he'll heal us. He hit us hard, but he'll put us right again. In a couple of days, we'll feel better. By the third day, he'll have made us brand new, alive and on our feet, fit to face him. We're ready to study God, eager for God knowledge. As sure as dawn breaks, so sure is his daily arrival. He comes as rain comes, as spring rain refreshing the ground. I invite you to offer a word or a phrase. Daily arrival. Daily arrival. Brand new. Fit to face him. Put us right again. Fit to face him. We trust you, Jesus, with this time together in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
Here in this first section of our discussion, we look backwards on what we've learned about prayers of the heart. We talked about this just briefly yesterday, actually, but um, kind of this uh, paying attention to where you know, where your heart is drawn, and um, I think it, for me, just reinforces how uh, the heart is so connected to the mind and the soul and the body that uh, you can have these these beautiful moments. But if you aren't attentive enough to kind of um, collect them and record them to to process a little bit more. Um, you miss out on a bit of what the content is actually there, and so I think that that that's been huge. Just just really truly being attentive to where my heart is drawn. That's good. I have been working on collecting, like a morning, sort of at noon, every once in a while, stopping, collecting the thoughts and the feelings and the morning itself so that I'm able to move into the afternoon with freshness mm-hmm. and kind of move in with a, a renewed heart in some senses, because going throughout the day without doing what you're saying, it kind of makes me feel quite depleted as I just move from one thing to the next. So I totally agree. I've been um, doing the, reading the scripture and listening for a, basically what we just did, the word. Mm-hmm. And um, this mind is interesting because it's probably my lowest of the four. Mm. It's not where I engage most. And so it's been a discipline for me to kind of try to really kind of um, draw deep from the word. I Mm. I tend to kind of take it more at the surface and have others explain it to me. Mm. Um, So that's been a really good practice for me. And I've really enjoyed it, like just kind of picking out the word and then asking the Lord to explain to me why that word and Mm -hmm. what does that mean and kind of pulling it apart that way and even though it's it seems like a mind thing too Mm -hmm. it's also a heart thing Mm -hmm. just to see like why is that stirring i Mm -hmm. think the why piece to it has been really Mm -hmm. good Mm -hmm. in the prison practice we talk about listening to how we're listening or being aware of our awareness Mm -hmm. so you're exactly right how the mind and the heart are essentially tied in the trouble is that our society will fragment those two so they're separated so in your practical experience you should be experiencing in your depths together um, the question then today is how the mind can be a gift to inflame and to warm the heart to transform the soul mm-hmm. so other thoughts about heart spirituality? I think I've been grappling with that fragmentation mm-hmm. in a sense of, um, you know, if I, if I were to look back at like my time at Hope, fe- feeling as though, well, feeling um, that, that, well, it's all heart, right? It's mm-hmm. what we, what we give um, when we, when we worship, when we um, uh, bring justice to other places, it's it's with the heart. But um, as I as I've gone through college and my career has changed, all of a sudden it's uh, moving into a different phase. I feel like I'm, I've become more of a mind person, and then to recognize that in some ways 
because they're fragmented by uh, cultural societal pressures um, that I forget what that's like mm -hmm. to to love with my heart mm -hmm. um, and not just my mind or you know or you know I guess last week I I lit a candle and just in the dark and I was doing my own Lexio uh, on John 15 mm -hmm. and um, I, it's 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 kind of it's crazy how um, certain parts of, of where life takes us. I think I've been changed by what I do ever on a daily basis that I've forgotten um, that they they all go together. And yeah, mm -hmm. and I think that's what a lot of a lot of the initial gain of going on a retreat or having consistent times in prayer is just stopping to realize, oh, mm -hmm. I'm having trouble accessing my heart mm -hmm. or I'm I'm only living in my heart. Mm -hmm. If you're a hard person, I'm only emotional and I'm not thinking clearly. Mm -hmm. And so we often then end up with a lot of shame when we first notice mm -hmm. what is being favored or being omitted. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes we'll stop and we'll think, oh, God can't want to be with someone as miserable as me. Mm. When that's precisely the door that opens you towards that healing and growth, that's why we confess our sins. That's <laughs> why we step into his love so that we can become integrated and mm -hmm. heal. So mm -hmm. thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, from my good Lutheran upbringing, I, I look at the heart as, or I too often, without really thinking about it, see the heart as like the least of mm -hmm. the things to be considered, mm -hmm. and that, that it's so much more essential that we have our theology, theology straightened out, and mm -hmm. that, um, you know, we're, we're centered in other ways, but that, you know, the emotions can be so easily manipulated, or whatever that looks like, and um, I, I, I see more and more I suppose the folly in that where, you know, as we look at what it looks like to follow Jesus, and if we want to be like Jesus, Jesus was so consumed with emotions in, in a human way, but not not an idolatrous way to, you know, giving over to his motion, emotions um, and to what his heart directed. Mm -hmm. And so remembering that, yes, the, the mind has you know, great purpose, as does mm -hmm. the soul, as does our strength, but as does our heart, it mm -hmm. doesn't get left out of the picture. Mm -hmm. to be attentive, to collect ourselves. Lexio Divina as an integration of the heart and the mind. To listen to how we are listening. And yet the trouble is that our hearts and our minds are fragmented and separated from each other. And this fragmentation between the heart and the mind leads us through life into new jobs, different relationships, struggles, trying circumstances. There are things in our lives that can shift the way that we function and we can lose track of our hearts in busyness and under the weight of expectation. 
And then some of our worship traditions just don't give us an opportunity to know how important our heart is to prayer and worship. What is the heart and what is the mind? How can you become more familiar with the way you think and the way you feel so that you can draw more close to Jesus through yourself? And what is the Spirit of Jesus teaching you about your heart? And then here I offer a reminder of the two goals of this summer retreat. So as a a bit of a reminder, the two goals for this retreat are first of all, and if only one is approachable for you this summer, that would be amazing to think about your own spirituality type. And in that discovering of your spirituality type, Um, So just being able to be freed to be yourself and to know that's really how God wants to interact with you. However, that's not the end. So our second goal is then integrating into this larger sense of what am I missing? And I was just talking with someone yesterday about a friend of this person's who had decided to skip out in church. Was Don described Um, themselves as uh, an agnostic at this point. And I recall the many years uh, of engaging Hope College students that probably by their junior or senior year have hit a wall and decided, I don't think God's real. I'm not accessing God in the same way I used to be. And often what I've, I've learned is it's just that your own sense of God is not enough at this point, that God's calling you to something deeper and more rich. So the question is, have you been stuck in your own conception of your own spirituality? Mm-hmm. Would you be freed by understanding there's more mm-hmm. within, if you're a heart person, there's more heart to explore, or the possibility is God might want to access you in another faculty. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult if we think about the mountain ascent We're climbing the hill of the Lord, and I am a heart person. I'm coming up over this ridge of my heart, and I just can't quite be freed. And then I get angry with God, and I feel alone and betrayed. The crazy thing is, in order to get over that ridge, you might have to climb and traverse some of the mind and go the long way around Mm -hmm. to come back to the heart with new perspective, Mm -hmm. more depth more um, invigorated theology. Your, your God is too small. Well, sometimes our theology is too small. We can easily come into spiritual formation and beat up on theology and just mind spiritual, uh, spirituality. But it's there for a reason. It sustained the church mm-hmm. from the beginning. So um, that's a little bit of an intro to... Um, so any thoughts about that as I throw that out for you? before I move into some more teaching. I think it's, a, I think it's 
it's been very accurate for me mm. lately, for sure. Just the idea of being a strength and then um, the Lord and feeling kind of plateaued in that, especially going through difficulty. Um, there's an, a ton besides just muscling through, right? Mm-hmm. You can do it within strength. And so the Lord has been taking me on this kind of like other, you know, path mm-hmm. of the heart and I think it's foreign territory to me and I just feel lost a lot of the time and I'm like I just I want to get back to my strength hill mm-hmm. um but I've learned so much and I do believe like I am still on the strength hill and I um I for sure will continue to land there but I'm gaining all these other tools mm-hmm. in the meantime mm-hmm. and how to be a strong person but also use my heart and mm-hmm. so for sure that that resonates with me mm-hmm. I appreciate that visual mm-hmm. as to what, to what I was referring yeah. to earlier. I think that helps clarify how, for me, I've moving from heart to that first worship team retreat where we were reciting Psalm 51. And I just remember being overcome with a sense of, uh, I don't have to restrict myself in this way of thinking about my faith or about my love for Christ and for others. And that, that was sort of like, oh, detour on Soul Mountain. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. um, but then, you know, for me now is where, where did that, what does that mean? Where did that cross with the mind? Mm-hmm. I think that's been something that I've been working through. But again, that, that you know, the mountain climb could be easy at mm-hmm. some point, mm-hmm. And then it just can be impossible to traverse at others. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the scariest things. And one of the difficulties with some of these people that hit a wall and jump ship on the mm-hmm. church and God is that when it's getting hard is exactly the place where God wants to form that faith. Mm-hmm. And we it's really offensive to our minds to think that God would ask us to go through that much difficulty. Mm-hmm. God's the love, right? <laughs> shouldn't Shouldn't this be... A bed of roses? Yeah. Why do I feel so bad about this? Right, <laughs> right. That's the, the C.S. Lewis about, about um, how we'd prefer a, like a, a heavenly grandfather mm. who just, at the end of the day, hopes everyone had a good time rather than <laughs> um, a, yeah. a heavenly father <laughs> right. who actually you know commands and desires mm. things of us that, exactly. that can be tricky. Mm-hmm. Mm. But it's, uh, and then the Hebrews passage that he wants to discipline us. Mm. A father comes to discipline us because he loves us so much that he wants to train us and transform us. Uh, Richard Rohr's comment that uh, the truth will often make you miserable before it sets you free. That offends the mind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That this spiritual journey is perilous in some ways. Mm my uh, spiritual mother telling me my 15 year old self that prayer is holy agony yes how is it that we can feel so bad sometimes as we move closer to God C.S. Lewis says, We want not so much a father, but a grandfather in heaven. 
a God who said of anything we happened to like doing, what does it matter so long as they are contented? Hebrews 12.6 For the Lord disciplines those whom he loves and chastises every child whom he accepts. Richard Rohr's observation, Before the truth sets you free, it often makes you miserable. And the word from my spiritual mother, Carol, Prayer is holy agony. Are you here in this summer attempting some rest and play? yet finding that you can't be present with yourself or others, let alone present with God. And here, Mitch has a helpful insight that leads well into my brief teaching on the mind and its gift to our spiritual practices. As we you know, look at these things more and more, I, I keep seeing that I, when you separate these things out so, so distantly from each other and you try and pull them away so much, uh, you reduce each one. Uh, you know, I, I think about as we were moving into the mind to, to know without, um, you know, to, to have the information without recognizing the value of it and what it means directly for your, your moment to moment, uh, I think is dilutes it so much from the fullness of what knowing is intended for to, to know and then to feel, um, to know and then to do. I mean, that's, that's so much more, uh, filling and fulfilling um, rather than just to, to have put the library together and letting it sit. Mm. And that's exactly what we're going to be moving in here is what to do with the library. Mm. So, thank you. So just a bit of a, an overview to kind of sketch some of mind spirituality. I've hinted at some of this already that the Western church, we're speaking of American, North American spirituality, European spirituality, emphasizes the mind again, the Jamie Smith notion of the, the self is a brain on a stick. <clears throat> um, the churches that really emphasize the mind in this way will have longer sermons, 30 to 40 min minutes at least, 
and in this situation, the, the pastors of those churches are seen as uh, Bible scholars, people with, with uh, astute theology. And we um, outsource our Bible study mm -hmm. to them often, mm -hmm. or we feel challenged to, um, to, to, to rise up into the kind of conversation with them. But there's some, some sense that the heroes of our faith are people that really have a grasp intellectually on these things. And so there's a lot of goodness. We're not just trying to say that we need to do more than the mind, and that means we're disparaging doctrine and study and rigor. We're just trying to put it in the right context here. So um, the good part of this is that there is strong doctrine within these communities, and there's a strong sense of theology. And these are the things that sustain communities for decades mm -hmm. and centuries. Mm -hmm. When I am faithless, the church remains faithful in its continued surrender to these doctrines. And so it ends up being a source of real hope. And for those um, that emphasize the mind that aren't into the theology, at least in those cultures, I would think of like my uh, early childhood, we were at a Bible church, not a lot of theology discussion, but a huge emphasis on Bible study. So even as a 10 year old, I'd be there with my Bible and a pen taking notes. And my mom was always in Bible study fellowship. And so it's still a mental default. So, um, so as we approach the mind spirituality, we are saying yes to that. We're only saying that there is more. And it's not just more that's beyond the mind. It's more of understanding what the mind is for, what the mind is a gift for. So to give some context and how to think about the mind somewhat objectively, um, Martin Heidegger, a philosopher, um, made a distinction between what he calls the calculative mind, calculative thinking, and meditative thinking. So calculative thinking is when we inquire, when we do research. And it doesn't have to be scholarly. It could just be planning things, keeping track of your schedule, uh, making to-do lists, organizing your closet, organizing your day, um, analyzing and discerning what to make for dinner, anything. That's all calculative. It's a basic preset, a basic practice that all of us do, <clears throat> whether we're PhDs or plumbers or moms or youth leaders. So meditative thinking then is this capacity then to collect the self. So this is that idea of the library. It's, so you have the library, but now I'm going to collect those books. I'm going to gather them in, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to spend time with them to figure out what they mean, mm -hmm. what they're for, to then be inspired by them. And Heidegger's point here is that while all of us calculate, not very many of us meditate. So to say that you weren't calculating would say that you're not alive, you're not a functioning human being. Now that, that is survival, but we're trying to imagine abundance. So to get to that abundance, we have to move beyond just our perfunctory actions to then meditation. So then pivoting from that philosopher's help and thinking about those distinctions, I mapped out in uh, 
it was episode number 11, which I titled The Lion or the Dove. And I was considering Eugene Peterson's lin linguistic work with the Hebrew word for meditate, which is Hagah. And uh, Peterson notes that Hagah in its roots can be used to describe a dog or a lion that growls, um, it chews, and it tears. Or it could also be something much more gentle in the sense of a dove cooing or moaning. And so Hagah can be various levels of intensity of how we're giving ourselves to that. It's, it's just painting a picture of how we're chewing, we're rehearsing. And so that, that brings up a much more standard teaching on meditation when we think of ruminant animals. Mm -hmm. So cows are ruminant animals. There's several others. And that means that they have four stomachs. And so a cow processes mm -hmm. the roughage mm -hmm. of, of the grass and the hay that they're eating. And they move it into one place to digest it some. And then they bring it up and they call it the cud. So the cow has these really flat molars and it just grinds and mashes the cud and then it digests it again and then it brings it up and so that's what ruminate really means so it really does get at that chewing or that cooing it's just all right i've come to hosea six three times already this summer now i'm going to go back i'm going to do it again i'm going to bring it back out and i'm going to chew on this some more i'm going to digest it further i'm not done with it or it's not done with me. Mm -hmm. So that's one way to think about a spirituality of the mind. I'd like to, in order to get to that deeper sense, to suggest that when we think about the mind, we're also thinking about our consciousness. Did any of you bristle at that word consciousness? Is anybody like, ooh, I don't know what to do with that? It feels neglected. <clears throat> I mean, it doesn't make me feel um, like, oh, no, we're going to talk about this. But, mm -hmm. but, but it's like, oh, that's something that I mm -hmm. don't consider hardly mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was just having a conversation um, around worship and uh, a document that talks about you know, desiring full, active, conscious participation mm -hmm. in worship. Mm -hmm. And there, there was a little like, mm -hmm. well, I think we can assume everybody's conscious, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as a joke. But I think it did sort of illustrate there is, we, we like to draw a line um, with that, with that mm -hmm. term. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I just, that that was first uh, first thing that popped in my mind. Just there was a there was sort of a yeah. gut reaction mm -hmm. to just saying, "What does it mean to be conscious?" Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a seventh grade science teacher who would always say to us in his in his is Israeli accent, "You are here, but you are not actually here in class." <laughs> <laughs> And so I think there is something to be said about being present versus being conscious, mm -hmm. being alive mm -hmm. in our minds, in a place, in a conversation, mm -hmm. in a worship service. Mm -hmm. That's really helpful because one of the gifts of the summer 
is this question of what are we present to? It seems that we are taking our exhausted selves away from the grind of the fall and the winter so that we can be present to rest, to play, to friends and family, mm -hmm. to getting out to the beach. There's a sense of yourself when you're in the summer that seems alive in a way. You're conscious to the sun here in West <laughs> Michigan. So it's, it's what are you paying attention to? Mm -hmm. So that's really helpful. You're here, but are you really here? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so that's one of the, the troubles of the summer. It's like, oh, it's almost July. Um, was I really here mm -hmm. yet? Yeah. Did mm -hmm. I, was I conscious of, oh, because once July comes, it's like, well, July is almost gone. And then there's the oh, summer. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do we slow down <laughs> enough to be conscious about what we're mm -hmm. experiencing here and now? It's really good. Thank you. I think there's some people that might um, be tentative and, and hold the word consciousness at arm's length because New Age, um, we talk about like higher consciousnesses, elevated consciousness. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and I would want to say that I think that what we're aiming at is something like what they mean. Mm -hmm. Transformation that is so deep that it gets into, I'm going to channel some, Chuck DeGroat into our, <laughs> our, our frontal cortex. Our frontal cortex is that part of our brain that is always actively moving. And so I, I always have Christ at the forefront of my thoughts. I always think and love and act through my truth of who he is. It's always present. So, um, <clears throat> All of us suffer to some extent with what the Buddhists will call monkey mind when it comes to our consciousness. Uh, Henry Nouwen unpacks this a bit by describing the brain, our mind, as a banana tree with monkeys jumping up and down. So this is the difficulty. We can't completely, it's impossible to completely eliminate all thoughts from our minds. Mm -hmm. So just as a little practice here, I want to do a minute or so. I want to challenge you to try to think about nothing. Okay? Go. So, how'd that go? Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Did you try to, to fixate on any one thing? What, what was your experience of trying to think about nothing? Visualized myself just sitting on a chair trying to look forward mm -hmm. and within however many microseconds 
started thinking about specific chairs that I like, have interacted with in the world. <laughs> I was just thinking about feeling my weight sitting on this chair, and then I started thinking about is the minute done yet? <laughs> I'm thinking about not thinking. I'm I'm not thinking. Uh, oh, I'm I'm not. Yeah. I felt like I was able to like dial in on this this little space, and then kind of it felt like I was chipping stuff away. Mm -hmm. But then I would start to narrate like, mm -hmm. "Oh, I'm doing a good job." Great. There we go. Yeah. So, just a quick note. This is why some traditions will ask us to come back to certain refrains in a worship mm -hmm. liturgy. Okay, so we're here to engage the presence of God. Your mind has wandered, so come back to this refrain. Mm -hmm. And that could be in a, in a, a single hymn, mm -hmm. or this could be part of the full length, where mm -hmm. you open with an introit and you end with your collect, and they'll have mm -hmm. some of the same language. Taking it even deeper, this is why some folks use a sacred word or a mm -hmm. phrase when they're trying to rest in the presence of God. As the mind wanders, I go back and grab mm -hmm. that word. Mm -hmm. And this is again an example of the integration where the mind is at the service of the worship, drawing the self back to the heart and soul. Oh, disappearing, thinking about all I gotta do today. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a mm -hmm. sinner. Oh, back back in. Mm -hmm. So that just becomes a, a gift and a tool to sink you back in. Um, mm -hmm. So what we're suggesting here is that each of us have a kind of mental noise. There is also these, these tapes that are constantly playing inside of us. And so when we go on a retreat, we try to practice silence. What we're doing is we're identifying those tapes. We're identifying those distractions. And often those are the things that the Holy Spirit really wants to talk to us about. Mm -hmm. It's just that we've been ignoring these things. We haven't slowed down enough to go, oh, I thought I was really frustrated about X when it turns out Y and Z are really the things that are mm -hmm. killing me. And if I slowed down to notice how intense those things really are, I've been trying to push those down and ignore them. But if I look at them, then all of a sudden I might be able to talk to Jesus about that much more effectively. So what from this bit of teaching sticks in your mind? Which idea or ideas were more helpful? What frustrated you? Before we move on, how would you like to talk to Jesus about your mind? What is he showing you about the way that you think?
Here in this section, each of my friends take turns describing their own relationships to their mind, how their minds do or don't help them in approaching God. Listen here for how you resonate with them. How are you similar or different? Can you find yourself in this conversation? Um, I'd say I've journeyed through a bit of the soul for a number of years. And um, that was always at odds with um, me trying to figure out where to best use my gifts. Um, it, was, it was a lot of, a lot of struggle and knowing where that was and where I needed to be. But, and cause that was just, there was a lot of noise, but I also found that that was a way for me to taking away that noise, creating those spaces was mm-hmm. profound. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the words that I think we had talked about before that you had originally used was, um, <clears throat> with the soul, we're able to identify and dwell in the transcendence of the presence of God and being a musician, performer, and um, I, I identified that a lot, yeah. you know. But then obviously I think now um, being in my profession, I very, I have to be very calculated mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> like everything that is about calculative thinking mm-hmm. is something that I feel like I need to embody to, to say model for my students. Mm-hmm. And so when I put that on, daily um and intensely just that's by nature of who i am i think i i i I move into that into that space which um has its good and bad because i think um when when i was more um integrated into movements of of soul then i i was better at pulling away noise because i knew i needed that and so I, I, I know I'm grappling with that now. And, and mm. um, especially because around me, I see heart and mind at odds. Mm. And so that's where I am struggling to, to integrate that and balance that in my own life. Mm. Um, the mind, the heart. I feel, and then I, I feel like in terms of strength, that again is also uh, is something I, I do more. So yeah, it's it's mm. Uh, mm. an interesting. It's a different movement yeah. of the symphony. Yeah. So speak. Mm-hmm. I think the, there's um, there's this really beautiful thing that can when you keep a little bit of a childlike sense of the mind, you're able to. St- continually be curious uh, when you when you bypass curiosity and the mind becomes just a storage bin for whatever gets tossed its way uh, a lot of fruit gets lost but but when mm-hmm. you keep that curiosity I think the mind allows for and we've talked about this before Josh about scaffolding for you know for that that, that next component it, it, it allows for vocabulary for a conversation um, oftentimes I find that um, yeah, I think about. I think it's in First Peter when um, he's talking about uh, milk, you know, spiritual milk, mm-hmm. and 
for so many, I think we, we often come in with beautiful experiences, especially being in youth ministry, thinking about students who come in with these crazy, awesome experiences, whether it's a conference or some worship event or something. And it's it's spiritual milk, which is important, but if, after a point, you, you have to move into whole foods and you, and you have to have something more to chew. Back to that mm-hmm. ruminating, you know, you have to have something to chew on, mm-hmm. something that, that is um, nourishing beyond that point. Not that you can't go back and enjoy that milk and, and those those really sweet, beautiful moments from time to time. But so with, I feel with the mind, you're, you're so able to step into this. Um, this p- place where you can grow vocabulary to be able to express what happens with the heart or with the soul in, mm-hmm. in ways. And, and there have been so many wonderful thinkers over the course of Christian history. I would be foolish to think that I have all these beautiful new insights in and of myself. And, and there might be you know, one or two nuggets at some point in my, my years to come, <laughs> but, but overall to, to be able to look back at you know, the minds throughout history and the souls and the hearts throughout history and to be able to um, step for you. Know, it's like when I wanted to drive a car, I didn't say, well, I'm going to start by building a buggy or, you know, a rickshaw. And then maybe someday I'll, I'll go from that to the next thing. And then I'll move into a Model T and then into a new car. No, I'm going to, I'm going to take what's been offered at this moment in time. And so I can look back on, on the, the richness of history up to this point in beautiful minds and, and use that as scaffolding for what I have. Mm-hmm. When you talk about curiosity, it makes me think of lingering mm-hmm. at something and not just kind of moving quickly past it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's, it's edu- the problem with education, right? Where yeah. where it's about memorizing facts and figures rather than yeah. um, actually being curious about content and, and wanting to dig deeper. And and so often when you 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 look at a student who who sees a bit and whether it's a science class or a math class, whatever it is, and they're like, oh, I'm really interested in that. The teacher too often has to say, Oh, we got to keep moving though. We got to get to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to linger, you know, especially in this sense where when you find it, you know, a bit of scripture or a bit of thinking or theology or whatever it is, and to be able to just sit with it and say, mm-hmm. ah, this is good and dig a little deeper and kind of go down that rabbit hole mm-hmm. for whatever that is and, and mm-hmm. glean quite a bit from it. It's mm-hmm. good. We were just at the San Diego Zoo and ironically, we got stuck lingering and really curious about the tortoises, <laughs> the slowest guys, <laughs> and just learned so much and I would not have thought that coming back here and telling people about the experience at the zoo that it was going to be the tortoises <laughs> that we talked about the most. But we did because we lingered and we just asked questions and we stayed there <clears throat> rather than moving on to the tigers mm. and the, you know, the orangutans and all these things that are just like, whoa, that's the sexy stuff mm. about the zoo. Tortoises. But when you figure out that their hearts beat it six beats a minute it's like, are you kidding me mm-hmm. and all of a sudden my mind is just blown mm-hmm. at the genius of the creator yeah and yeah. it's because i was able to stay curious and linger and and that uh, i spoke a bit so i'll bring it back but um with the the 40 <clears throat> ways uh, i think about um this idea of, of conversing with others the iron sharpens iron the deep calls unto deep i mean all these things where um, you know, the mind is, is, is great, but the mind in and of itself for itself is not how it's meant to be. Um, mm-hmm. So to be able to step into a conversation and to share a new bit or a piece of vocabulary or something mm-hmm. and to have it, you know, drawn out more by another is, is, is the beauty there in the same way where the, the, the zookeeper talking to you about the tortoises, he, he or she is going to say what they need to say. Um, but if, if they're asked for more, well, then that you can see passion there too. And, and mm-hmm. it pulls so much more out of this 
uh, outside of just a, just, oh, look, turtles keep moving. You know, right. I mean, there's so much more content and curiosity. Well said. You're really describing that from the tortoise, you're describing the integration because somehow your heart got engaged mm -hmm. with that experience of wonder. Mm -hmm. This is really where worship opens up when the heart and the mind are both inflamed mm -hmm. and they're serving each other mm -hmm. in an integrated way. But in some, for some of us, it takes a kind of discipline mentally to say, okay, I'm going to surrender to this possibility. There's something interesting. And so we do that, some calculative work there to get closer into the nitty gritty, do the research. Mm -hmm. But then at some point the heart kicks in and goes, whoa, whoa, this is really interesting. I, I, I like, oh, there's more. Mm -hmm. So that was actually what I ended up defining beauty as, as I was working for um, the talk I did at Pillar last mm -hmm. summer, <laughs> that beauty is that thing which beckons us onto a journey. Mm -hmm. We have a sense, there's something to taste and see it's beyond the just one glance at that painting. I need, mm -hmm. so it somehow strikes the heart or the mind, like there's more to that painting mm -hmm. or that mountainscape or that person's face or that sunset at the beach in the summer. There's something more to that. So I'm gonna give my mind time to linger mm -hmm. and then somehow the heart gets engaged. So mm -hmm. what we're when we notice how we're functioning with that in prayer, we realize, Oh, I, I miss some of these opportunities, mm -hmm. maybe because my mind isn't engaged or I miss some of these things because I'm not present enough with my emotions to actually receive what my mind is collecting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I want to be full in all these things to be rich in heart and mind. But right now we're, we're really looking at that sense of how do I get my mind to be a little bit more on point. Mm -hmm. well, I think uh, you know, a, a big thing about this as we look at this retreat, it's something you probably do by yourself, but but it keeps <coughs> pushing us back out to be with others. Mm -hmm. you know, in this room, we have a, a diverse group of mm -hmm. you know heart, mind, soul, strength folks, and and even here, uh, the, the prodding and pulling it, it helps us open up into those those mm -hmm. new things a little bit. So for a mind mm -hmm. guy, you know, for to hear any of you speak about heart or soul or strength, mm -hmm. oh yes, that's right. Oh, mm -hmm. the joy of that, and, and it it's just that little bit that tugs me back into a centered place rather than mm -hmm. being stuck in my corner. It's deep calling to deep. Mm -hmm. John, what do you have to say? Yeah, it's, I'm totally, I'm kind of feeling that movement of, um, the kind of resonate with, um, a mind spirituality. And, uh, when I am, I can feel the unhealth of that when it when it pulls me just in deeper into mm -hmm. myself where and then you go to that place and it leads to I don't know enough, I haven't read enough, I haven't mm -hmm. I find healthy mind spirituality when my curiosity and my wonder uh pushes me uh to a friend or a new mm -hmm conversation right. partner or a new relationship that I haven't uh, been able to uh, explore yet and mm. yeah so that yeah kind of the curiosity the and the
especially as it relates to scripture, you know, like mm-hmm. the opening, allowing myself to open my heart to others mm-hmm. and engaging uh, the word of God together mm-hmm. is, is a way that I feel, oh man, this is where my mind is. Mm-hmm. I feel in a, in a healthy spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The gift of sharing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that I pull, I pull way back from mine, like I mentioned earlier, but um, I think I know I was raised in that. Like I was raised in a mind focused church mm-hmm. and it never, I never engaged with it. Mm-hmm. Like it just didn't appeal to me. It didn't speak to my heart. It didn't, I was not engaged with the Lord. And so I think that when I did become engaged with the Lord at an older age, um, he drew me in through the soul mm-hmm. and um mm. it was like a whole new world right like it was just like oh there's this presence mm. that mm. i've been missing my whole life mm. and i just found so much wonder in that for so long that i it was just kind of like well, i don't even need the mind you know like i have the presence <laughs> <laughs> and so i think just in these last two years mm. i would say the lord has been just deepening my love of scripture mm. and speaking like to me through it, which I had never experienced that before mm. either. And so I've been able to engage my mind more and go like, okay, mm-hmm. I do, you know, God is, is a God of fullness. Mm. Of course we need all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we can't just go like, I'm going to set that one aside. Like God made us in his fullness and, and he engages all these things. So of course we need to engage all these things to engage him. But I just think for a long time, I just thought like, like that doesn't really interest me. So and this is amazing. So I'm going to stay right here. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm learning like how to navigate all of them. I'd just like to say, Stacy, that, that, that to me is um, when we think about hearing people's testimonies or uh, conversion experience or whatever it looks like, I don't think we talk about, you know, in what channel God call, you know, yeah. draws us into himself. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. for me to hear that, that, you know, it was in, in the soul that he, mm-hmm. he was really tugging on you that's a really beautiful thing for me to, to think about well then well how is you know kind of i tugged on but um, yeah. how is he now shifting mm-hmm. you know, yeah. into a new thing <clears throat> yeah kind of like even what aaron said earlier just with the the journey and the mountainscape of being in the soul and then kind of moving into the mind mm-hmm. yeah i find it troubling that we interpret insight as transformation mm. What I mean is, like, we have this awesome thought, or we hear this sweet line from a sermon on a podcast or on a Sunday morning, or we read a book or a scripture, mm-hmm. a passage, and it just hits us, and it's like, boom! And we might feel the emotion, or our mind just is filled with wonder. And that initial insight, I have kind of historically read that as, I am changed now. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than the lingering and the curiosity. I'm curious... Yeah. If you've all experienced that too, it's funny you say that. I was I was thinking of that moments ago as I was trying to think of a good phrase, and and the, the word came to mind of like holy agitation. But I was like, that's just some like church phrase that you're gonna throw. And like there there is beauty to that too, mm-hmm. I think. But but that's something you could throw out, and, and you'd get everyone you know sitting you know in the congregation. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then no one would think about it beyond that. Just yeah. that single moment, and yeah. then you've got your it's it's like a, a cheap joke that you throw out or like a, you know a name dropping. Mm-hmm. Anyone from Michigan in the house tonight? Like it's it's that type of thing, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, yeah, it's it's so cheap to think that that's all we needed. That was it, and that got us to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
That's true. Yeah, that Romans 12, 1, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm. The transformation and mind have such a strong link, but transformation doesn't happen through the aha moment. I think it happens through what Peterson talks about, through the the dog just sitting at the base of a tree Mm -hmm. and chewing on the bone Mm -hmm. and chewing and chewing and then leaving it, being totally content for the day and then coming back the next day and just continuing to like gnaw Mm-hmm. for days on end onto this big femur bone <laughs> mm-hmm. and the transformation happens through that mm-hmm. interaction with the holy spirit through the word and in friendship i love that jonathan that was yeah that was profound mm-hmm. the way that relationship kind of feeds into mm-hmm. our transformation absolutely i think too the friendship piece too as a non-mind focused person I just feel like I'm underselling myself. (laughs) 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 Simple-minded person. (laughs) Anyway, um, as someone who does not focus as much on this aspect, friendship has been huge for me. Mm. I think not so much as like, I'm thinking this, what are you thinking? Let's compare thoughts. It's more like, I've run into this. I have no idea what it means. Help me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or I know that you have deep thoughts. Like I do this to Daniel all the time. I'll go into his office and be like, listen, I need help on this. Just tell me all the things you think because I don't, you know, like he, I know that he has studied these things and has deep thoughts about all the things. <laughs> and so I'll just go in there and be like, Daniel, <laughs> tell me the deep thoughts so that I can understand this better. <laughs> because it's like having a Daniel app. <laughs> <laughs> I need one of those. Don't put that on me. <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, no. Yeah. Well, um, what you were saying earlier, Stacey, about um, going to the soul and then coming back to the scripture, mm-hmm. it's an example of the permission that we have to be able to sink into the spirituality that we're called to right now. Mm-hmm. So the invitation, this, the fundamental spirituality of what I understand the Holy Spirit is doing is he's always inviting us to the next thing of where we are right now. So a lot of folks, myself included, I would listen to one of my mentors talk so much about how she loved studying the Bible and she'd get out her um, linguistic tools and all her pens and sit down for a whole night and just love it. And I was like, yeah, does not sound interesting (laughs) to me. And then you just feel guilty. You don't feel spiritual. And I just realized I'm not okay, I can't pray the way, and I can't engage God that way. Now, it just so happens that I've found other ways. Mm-hmm. I love Scripture in an ever-deepening way where I do. I have always studied Scripture, but my my desire, and that's one of the things that, that we should note, is that if we are really authentically moving towards the invitation of who we are, the Spirit will always extend us line and a desire for these other arenas we don't have to force or fake our way into the other arenas so Mm -hmm. if you're not in a zone where you feel like i don't know i don't just the mind is not my my thing right now so what Mm -hmm. no pressure Mm -hmm. i might say for the summer retreat like give it a couple shots Mm -hmm. that's what you would say to somebody who feels the guilt when sitting across from a friend who's yeah just passionate about something yeah. and they don't think the same mm-hmm. way. Yeah. I just say, who cares? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the biggest gifts we can give people in the church of, yeah, that's not, I had a woman that I worked with for a little bit in direction who really wanted to move into centering prayer. 
And it was one of my early sessions with her and she was beating herself up so much about how much difficulty she'd have with centering prayer and different points of the day when she tried to stop and center herself. And, and so part of the discernment with her was, so how did you know that that was what God was inviting you to right now? Mm-hmm. This deep soul practice of centering prayer. And we unpacked it and we finally said, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't, you know, if it's not really, if there's not immediate sense of invitation and fruit in that prayer practice, then do something else. That's good. Do what is right in front of you right now. And this is the trouble, and this can happen if we want to look at the larger scale of worship comparisons. I'm not doing it that way. We should be. What has God called your people to right now for your community? Mm-hmm. How is God the Spirit forming? in training your people right now. What are your strengths? And then we'll eventually see our weaknesses. This happens with individuals too. Mm. Make it simple, make it approachable, trust. So that's why the first step for this this summer is find yourself in what you are right now and then stretch yourself. Are you under the weight of spiritual heaviness of some expectations for your way of praying that just aren't helpful? Is there any way Jesus can come and take those burdens of false religiosity to take them away from you this summer and to instead give you his light and easy yoke? And here we close by moving into some specific suggestions about prayer practices each of us feel drawn to. Josh, maybe you can fill this out a little bit more, but the prayer of collect, Mm -hmm. I think is one that allows me to interact prayerfully with any scripture. Mm -hmm. Would you mind describing what the prayer of collect is? Okay. Um, I believe a collect has four movements. I always remember it, God, who, petition, through. Mm-hmm. So address God by name, mm-hmm. God, creator of all the world, who uh, saved us from uh, the depths of our sin, um, have mercy on us sinners through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that... It's almost like a formula, but it, it, no, it, it is. allows for interaction with right. any scripture prayerfully because we're mm-hmm. focusing on the character of God, which is the best place to start. Mm-hmm. And then... Wait, so do you fill in whatever you're reading into that prayer or no? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. like, praise be to the God who transforms us you know, through the saving work of his son, Jesus Christ. I mean, mm-hmm. like, like that simple thing, it really is a formula that um, 
I think if we deny formulas, we, mm-hmm. we deny so much beauty and structure to, to accountability throughout these simple practices. Some mm-hmm. place to start each mm-hmm. moment of scripture, mm-hmm. some some similarity moment to moment that we can we can refresh it. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes, God who transforms minds ultimately by the power of your Holy Spirit, come and help me to transform my mind through the working of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you're pulling like what you see of God's character in that scripture right. into this prayer. Well, and then the, I think another cool part of that is the space that that addressing God's, uh, God provides, you know, not just God, um, the the transcending father of, of the earth, but but God, my father, mm-hmm. you know, it, who, you know, we can interpret the way God is a father to us differently. And, and so, and not only that, you know, he, God, our, our Emmanuel, um, mm-hmm. God with us, yeah. you know, okay. that can carry forward into, a, you know, a, again, addressing the qualities of God and that mm-hmm. our petition, right, what we bring, or what we ask for God mm-hmm. to, to do. Mm-hmm. I guess I would just encourage anyone listening to the podcast that if this kind of strikes a chord, maybe go listen to what Aaron said before, but then also kind of go and do some research mm-hmm. yourself into this because it, it's definitely a doorway into some depth. One of the things I, I think it was, it was after a conversation that Bruce had, Bruce had shared that with, with me or somewhere I started to, I had a whole bunch of index cards and I wrote one out every day and I kept it in my pocket. Mm-hmm. And so and I still have them somewhere. Cause mm-hmm. I, I know, I knew that I could use them mm-hmm. like some, right. there might be a day where, where whatever, whatever I needed to write, whatever I was praying would mean something down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, even, even if call it a project, call it a, a moment of being drawn into something new. Um, yeah, it, it was just another way for, for me to pray. And I remember feeling um, a sense of, of peace with that. The collect, the collect. So that's very interesting that our collective, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, that was an accident. Um, <laughs> wisdom, insight, help went from meditation from calculative to the collection of meditation. So this difficulty of thinking about prayer as formula, uh, Peterson in his book, uh, Answering God, it's his book on praying the Psalms, he describes prayer as as technology, as a tool for the Mm -hmm. soul. And so um, the problem with formulas or tools or technology in terms of worship and prayer is when we get stuck with the tool. So whether that's, I just love my electric guitar and I don't actually access God. I'm just spending all my time with my pedals. Um, or if it's, um, a collect where I'm, Oh, well, look at this fancy liturgy I've put together mm-hmm. and I'm actually not actually opening myself to God and moving into meditation. So all these formulas, uh, there's a lot of, um, deep Christians throughout the history of the church that do use that language of formula, prayer formulas. Mm-hmm. Problem is if it's only a structure. Mm-hmm. So some folks would dis- describe this in terms of worship as structure breeds spontaneity. So again, that's another question of your spirituality type. What do you need for your day? Do you need more formula? Not as a program where you just as Thoreau warns us about our tools, he says we need to be careful with our tools lest we become tools of our tools. 
you know, if you're just into the gadgetry of spirituality, and this would be mm -hmm. in some traditions, the Catholics will talk about it like, oh, I've got five different rosaries. Mm -hmm. And I, lo I love going to conferences and I'm a spiritual person. And I've read all these books and I have a shelf full of Thomas Merton, but yet I haven't really opened myself. So um, that's another um, relieving point of going, yeah, this is, this is tool, this is technology. So um, it can be very, this is where I love when it comes to these kinds of conversations, prayer has to become very practical and very approachable. So to call it a tool, it's, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. So what's stirring inside of you guys as far as other practices for prayers of the mind? Well, I think I kind of already said it in the beginning when okay. I was talking about the Lexio. Okay. I mean, that's really been super helpful for me. Cool. I just, I actually rewrite it. Mm -hmm. So I'll rewrite the scripture in my journal. Mm -hmm. And then I just kind of box around the words that stand out. And then I rewrite those words that I've boxed. And then I journal out kind of like, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me in these? And mm -hmm. pray through the, just kind of what I've pulled out specifically. And so that's kind of, I've been using that since our first mm -hmm. February retreat. So mm -hmm. about a year and a half now. Mm -hmm. And it's just been wildly fruitful for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's interesting because that really is a mind practice mm -hmm. because, yeah. because it's, it's a, you're, you're being a scribe in a sense. I mean, yeah. you're doing this calculative moment of, you know, transferring from, you know, scripture to a page of mm -hmm. the exact, I'm not taking my own interpretation. Yeah. I'm, I'm just simply transferring this, this information. And, and that's, that's a beautiful mind practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been great. I, um, this has maybe happened twice, three times where... I'll be like walking home from work. You know, it takes about 15 minutes and I'll just typically pull up a Psalm on my phone and like try to memorize it in the, between door to door. And you know, every time I do it, it's this, I just feel just full. I'm like, I'm going to do this every day of mm -hmm. my life. <laughs> and, you know, like I said, I've done it three times. Um, <laughs> um, but it's uh, when it, it was saying take five minutes and just focus in on one chunk and try to memorize that. I've, um, I've just found that to be like a really um, rich way of engaging with the mind in a time like a walk home when you can just zero in in a kind of a period of time that could be throwaway in the grand scheme of my day, you know, where, uh, but instead to use that, um, as a, just a moment to engage God. And, awesome. you know. So let's be even more particular. So do you find that you're good at memorization? Do you, do you enjoy memorization? Yeah, I really, yeah, I really, enjoy it mm -hmm. i you, love you like, feel a freedom with it yeah taking a phrase you know verse one of whatever i lift my eyes up to the hills from where does my help come from like and just you say that again mm -hmm. until you can mm -hmm. say it you know you all the stuff we know uh just without thinking mary had a little lemon sleep so i know never where the mary was letting sure to go yeah you could say it like mm -hmm. and you it's, it bypasses all of everything you know so getting to that point where you can 
say that with a, a verse of scripture and then it starts to do the process of, mm. of working down mm-hmm. to your heart and to your soul and mm-hmm. yeah so you're ruminating as you met as you memorize you're drawing it from your mind from your calculation oh can grab a hold of that word oh what was the next word phrase and then you just keep ruminating you become more and more comfortable with it and then like the, the ruminant animal you're digesting it mm-hmm. at deep ever deepening levels so memorization can be huge mm-hmm. I always think of um a prayer of illumination may the words of my mouth mm-hmm. and the meditations of my heart mm-hmm. be an offering unto you O lord mm-hmm. my rock and my redeemer like that memorizing scripture um influences the words of our mouths because mm-hmm. it, because it is the meditation mm-hmm. of our hearts mm-hmm. and so that's why that's uh, again i I've seen the value of that, especially when I look back at memorizing Psalm 51 mm-hmm. as a confession and how um, the, having a psalm, a prayer like that mm-hmm. on my heart, um, it, that deep sense of, of lamenting, um, of hopefulness, but of shame, but redemption. You know, like 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 memorizing a psalm like that, or Psalm one twenty one. I mean, mm-hmm. that that to have that psalm, that prayer of joy on your heart. You know, like using that. Yeah, mm-hmm. all I'm saying is memorization rocks. Yeah. It does. <laughs> when you were talking about guilt earlier, um, early on in my faith, I would hear people spout scripture out just off their head in conversation. And pretty quickly, I would feel this like, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know scripture like that. And I think that the the bar seems so high for so many people that we end up not actually attempting mm-hmm. anything. And yeah. so recently, I've just been thinking for myself this year because of what I just said that I want to try to memorize a scripture a month. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even going to go for a psalm a month, Mm -hmm. but just a scripture, a a verse Mm -hmm. a month. Mm -hmm. Set a low bar, but at the end of the year, I've got 12 verses in my arsenal and 12 verses that have made their way Mm -hmm. deep into me that I wouldn't have if I've done the theme of the last three years, Mm -hmm. which has been feeling daunted, (laughs) not actually memorized anything. And... You hear 12 verses and you think, well, that's not that much, but it's it's a lot more than I've been doing. Mm-hmm. And so I think being able to uh-huh. set a low bar and start somewhere mm-hmm. is what I would encourage listeners to do because I'm on that journey and it's a lot easier to swallow. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more grace mm-hmm. in it. You're describing the mustard seed principle mm-hmm. or the fishes and loaves you know, we come with this little bit. We don't come with the force of our will. This is the difficulty with people that we'll get to with, with strength. That way I, just, I can just take over my spiritual. I can dominate this. Um, I come and I surrender to this. this all, I, all I got is this little, eh, this little seed. And I, and I do that. Mm-hmm. And then he multiplies it. He grows it. The spirit comes and joins in with our willingness. Mm -hmm. And it becomes bigger than anything we could ask or imagine. Mm -hmm. 
And when we talk about being transformed by the renewing of our minds and praying with our minds, if we are not getting the words of the Bible into us, there's not a, an anchor or a, a, you know, a true north for the compass of our prayers. And then we do become flighty and unstable. So I thank you for joining me here, guys. Mm -hmm. It's a delight to be with you, to hear the goodness, the questions, the wrestlings, and especially the laughter and the camaraderie. Thanks for joining me. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time. In the summer, we may have more time to linger with an idea, to consider some bit of nature around us, a tortoise perhaps, or the temperature of the sand on Memorial Day that burned my wife's feet and gave her blisters. You may have time to take a longer walk while the sun is setting, or you may stay up later at night talking with a dear friend. We need to make time to sit and to linger and to let our minds wander into wonder, to gather more information, to explore and to discover so that our souls are expanded and our hearts enlivened. How do you feel drawn to use your mind in prayer and worship this summer? So here's some other resources for your consideration in regard to scripture memorization. I recommend to you theversesproject.com where you'll find a long list of good verses that have been set to music and sung. If you're not good with memorization, singing the scriptures may be your ticket. And then there are, of course, so many outstanding recording artists who sing the scriptures, people like Michael Card, John Michael Talbot, or more recently, Sandra McCracken. This summer, you might want to dig out some of those old records and soak your mind in the scriptures through song. And I honestly want to thank you so much for joining in this summer retreat. It is an incredible honor and a delight to serve you in your journey deeper into the love of God. Our summer is still young. It's not too late for you to invite some friends and family to dive into this summer retreat. I'm not very capable or interested in doing a marketing campaign through social media or print publications. And I reckon if the Spirit is using the invitation to help people like you engage your lives more deeply into Jesus, then the Spirit will stir you and others to keep sharing your stories. So invite some people to the invitation.
And again, like I said at the opening of this episode, there really is something crazy about all that the invitation is getting involved in, from working with local pastors, to a prison, to the college students, to silent retreats, to high school students. It really truly is all above my pay grade. This is truly over my head. On one hand, spiritual direction is new to many, and it's often hard for people in the church to understand. And then on the other hand, praying with prisoners is also difficult for most to get their hearts and minds wrapped around. And here I am with the invitation, attempting to do both in a way that will serve the local church. I was trying to explain all this again to a friend today, that the prison is a kind of mirror of the church. What do I mean by that? One of my inmate friends recently asked again why we volunteers keep returning to the prison. He's wondering, what's in it for you? We've talked with our friends in the prison about these things often over the four years that I've been serving there. But that time I shared a new answer. And I told him, I come back here to E.C. Brooks because you are me and I am you. What I mean is I see myself in him and wonderfully, I see Jesus in him, healing, loving, and giving. And as always, there is so much more to say, and I hope you stay involved in listening to the podcast so you can hear more that I'd like to share with you. And this summer is a season of discernment for the invitation. I'd like you to become a core team member to join in this growing ministry with friendship, prayer, and even some financial support so that we can offer more regular podcast content and, in time, more interaction with these stories from the prison and to help us get to the prison and back and to be a consistent and regular presence in those men's lives. We're not asking you for financial donations today. For now, please join in this summer retreat as you're able Invite some friends and subscribe to the invitation if you haven't already. You can find subscribe buttons on most of the pages on our site, invitationpodcast.org. We will be launching a Kickstarter, likely late summer or early fall. And then the hope is that several of you will consider rolling over to become monthly sustaining partners. But for now, Let's go deeper together into the love and life of God, creating time and space for Jesus in our hearts, mind, soul, and strength. Pray for the invitation. Pray for me. Pray for discernment, clarity, creativity, and above all, patience. Most things do not come fast, and it's in the waiting that we can better hear the voice of God and learn to trust Him. And I do trust that Jesus is with you in whatever you are waiting for. And again, it is an honor and a delight to serve you in this prayer. And please join us in the next episode on Prayers of the Soul that will be out in a few more weeks. And until then, Amen. Amen.